Eve Sturgis. Uh, we are here, finally, you and me together for episode one of season two of Everything's Relative. Uh, Jesus Christ, guys, how are all of you? Remember when life was just hard and normal, and now we're in hard and global pandemic shelter in place? Uh, how are you? Where are you? Do you have toilet paper? Is everyone safe? It's been uh, hard here. Um, I'm sorry that I couldn't get the season out sooner, but dudes, <laughs> I have been doing the very best that I can, um, or was doing the best that I could for a while with a sudden lifestyle change, which I'm sure so many of you also experienced. Uh, and somewhere in there, Dallas, our four-year-old, had a major high fever, which of course... Um, triggered all sorts of, of fears and anxieties. So anyway, it's all just been a lot. And um, more than anything, of course, I'm trying to stay grateful that my family has resources that, that so many others don't have. And we've been able to stay home and healthy and safe. And I wish all the same um, for all of you, of course. And uh, I hope this podcast can be a welcome distraction for you if the current state of the world is stressing you out. So there's also a possibility that this is your first time listening to Everything's Relative. What a funny, odd time to drop in. Welcome. I am Eve Sturgis, and my goal is to talk to people who have experienced DNA surprises and get their stories and try to get everyone to be relieved of the shame that creates these secrets and these situations in the first place. So here we are, episode one. Um, I interviewed Spencer way before we were all locked in our houses and fighting for sourdough bread supplies. Is that happening in your world? Is everyone making bread? Um, his story is, uh, but his story is, is kind of long, but it's so worth it. And it's really important as a part of the larger discussion of American history and our country's like America's secrets and our country's shame and, and the way that we, our history and the way we treat it. Um, so, so yeah, let's just get to it. You'll, you'll get what I mean. Um, that's enough talking for me. Uh, I'll join you again for a quick closing of the episode at the end, but until then, please enjoy Spencer and me talking about what it means to explore and research your DNA as an African-American male. Thanks guys. See you soon. How are you? Do you want me to call you Spencer or Mr. Warren or Spencer <laughs> Damon Warren? No, Spencer is perfectly fine. Okay. Perfectly, perfectly fine. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so we've been like trying to get a hold of each other, or I've been trying to trying to schedule an interview for a while. Um, no geez, worries. I'm so, I'm so glad this finally happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've been um, honestly um, a little nervous and pensive about it and thinking about it and how I wanted to approach it and so forth. Um, of course, I've listened to the first season and I absolutely enjoyed it. And plus the MPE group, you know, kind of been in and out of the group um, mm -hmm. for a while. Um, but um, reading everybody else's story, which has given me insight. So hopefully my story will add a different perspective because I know everybody thinks their story is different, but it's just, you know, there are similarities that help each other right. and there are differences that give people perspective that they never right. thought of before. Um, I was born in uh, North Carolina and mm -hmm. um, 
a small place called Tarboro, North Carolina, where there is a, you know, pretty relatively, if anybody grew up in a small area, a lot of families history have been there and a lot of intertwining between families and mm-hmm. so forth. Um, my, uh, I'm just going to interrupt you to tell you that my best friend moved to Tarboro like two years ago and lives there now. Really? <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry for your best friend. And, um, I, I call it the I call it the mosquito capital of the world. Oh but my gosh! Honestly, I don't I don't I've never spent a lot of time in Tarboro, but mm-hmm. there's a larger city called Rocky Mount that's right near it, mm-hmm. um, um, just just a bit west of it, and that's where I spent a lot of my summers growing up as a child. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, just just to tell, well, eventually I ended up moving to Richmond, Virginia, with my mother. But just to tell the story, let's mm-hmm. start from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of my earliest memories is just me and my mother. My mother was a teenage, uh, had a teenage pregnancy. She was 17 mm-hmm. when she had me. This is back in, of course, telling my age, 1972. Things were a little bit different. You know, whereas mm-hmm. now today we're expected to go to college or at least we want to go to college. Back then that wasn't necessarily the highest thing we reserved for maybe sure. people who had money and so forth. But um, my mother had me, single mother, um, 17 years old. She, uh, from what I can put together, knowing my little history, um, she left me with my grandmother um, mm-hmm. in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, and she went to Richmond, which is a large city to the north of that, and she lived with one of her older sisters. My, on my mother's side, which I know very well, um, it was my mother, uh, my grandmother and her husband, they were together for many years, and he passed in 1971, a year before I was born, and my mother had 13 siblings. Very, very large oh family. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. So she had older siblings. There were adults when she was pretty much a child. So that was the dynamic that my family went through. So as my right. mother being one of the youngest, actually, my mother, which this is important, mm-hmm. she's the 10th of 14. We'll come back to that later. And if okay. I forget to, remind me, write that down. And remind okay. Me. Okay. Writing it down. Um, writing it down. Yeah. So... Nonetheless, she uh, left me with my grandmother, moved to Richmond with one of her older sisters. Then she sent for me later. And from the age of two on, she and I lived in Richmond together. So it was just she and I. Mm-hmm. And then um, and, and, and I didn't grow up with a father around. And, of course, being a smart child, knowing that, you know, I had a father somewhere. Eventually, mm-hmm. she met my stepfather, who has been in my life since the age of three. Um, okay. And he has been the father figure in my life, mm-hmm. um, good or bad. We won't get into all that stuff, just knowing that he's out there. So he was my father figure. Mm-hmm. And around the age of eight, um, my mother introduced me to a gentleman by the name of Calvin. And she said, this is your father. And of course, there are a lot of things. I know I'm rushing through this. I don't want to. No, you're doing great. Much, but, but, um, Calvin became, was my, he's my father. And in that same breath, I met his wife and Mm -hmm. his son, who was younger than me, Calvin Uh Jr., which of course caused some issues for me because I'm thinking I'm the oldest. Why why am I not Jr.? You should be the Calvin Jr., right? Yes. Yes. So that kind of threw me off a little bit. Plus it was just a lot to take in for any, um, to have to deal with this. And one thing I learned quickly, um, is that, Calvin liked the title, but he didn't mm-hmm. like the job. So he wasn't much of ah, that father figure okay. that to go a little deeper into it. When a child, in my case, or I would like to think, in my case, not knowing who my father was, growing up with just my mother, you kind of romanticize who your father is. Sure. And 
good or bad with your stepfather. Um, some people have stories about step parents and so forth like that. You always romanticize that your father would come and steal you away or rescue you or something like that. Uh-huh. And it was basically a big disappointment because Calvin was just right. not that person. He was a person who went to work every day and he paid his bills on time. It wasn't like he was a drunk or anything like that. He just was more into himself than anything else. But he was right. good with his son, Calvin Jr. Just with mm-hmm. me, it was very sporadic. So nonetheless, right. how, I do you know up, how, do you know his, I'm sorry, do you know how old he was when, um, when he was with your mom, when they got pregnant? Um, so I, I, not knowing exactly how old he is, I would assume he was about a year older, not much okay. more than a year or either right. the same age. I know they okay, were so school 18, together. 17 or 18, something like that. Okay. Around that age. Yes. So well, when you met him, he was 25. Okay. He, yeah, he was, he okay. was, he's already established in his marriage and had a kid mm-hmm. that was a, mm-hmm. I think a year and a half behind me. Of course, doing the math, you think, okay, if I was born and then Calvin Jr. was born within a year or two, mm-hmm. there was breakup or whatever. You, you right, just kind right. of fill in the pieces. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I spent a lot of time, I, I would spend some time with uh, Calvin and his family. And I got really close to his wife, Eva. Ooh, okay. Great lady. Um, mm-hmm. Calvin Jr. and I had a time of it because me being an older child, I had a I have a half brother through my mother and my stepfather at this point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I'm being the oldest between Calvin Jr. and myself and Calvin Jr. already being an only child and having all of the attention. It was kind of a <laughs> weird dynamic for us as kids. Right. It's a lot to this and there's so much more to it. Um, but things didn't work out very well between Calvin and I. Okay. Um, and going forward, uh, when I got to be about 18 years old, of having Calvin in my life and him not putting forth the effort, which I had thought he would or should put mm-hmm, forth. Mm-hmm. I finally got to a point where I gave up on that relationship mm-hmm. and decided to move on with life. Okay. And I went on and got married and had kids of my own. And Calvin was never a part of that. He was never mm-hmm. a part of my children and so forth. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to stop. We're going to put a pen in it for a second. Let's talk a okay. little bit more about the dynamic. Cause this comes back in the end. Yeah. Um, great. When I met Calvin, um, well, before, before I met Calvin, the reason why I would go to North Carolina, we were talking earlier about the fact mm-hmm. that I spent my summers in North Carolina, is that one, my family, my mother's family came from that part of uh, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And every summer I would go back and spend the summer with a cousin of mine by the name of Darren and his mm-hmm. mother and my mother are sisters. And they were okay. only separated by 11 months. They were very close. Mm-hmm. His mother being older and they went to school together. Um, Darren and I spent our summers together. We ran through creeks. We did everything, played with bugs, played the dirt, dirt bikes, mm-hmm. all that kind of thing. And we grew up really, really close. Um, one of the, one of the more, I don't even know the word for it, the sadder times of the summer, mm-hmm. which were great experiences, was that Darren's father, who wasn't with his mother, would mm-hmm. come to pick Darren up and take him away for the day. Ah, uh, uh-huh. All right. And I would sit around going, why doesn't my father do that? Yeah, you got my this, was. this other father modeling. Exactly. So I'm, I'm feeling sad. He'd pick him up, take him for haircuts and all that stuff. And I remember mm-hmm. one particular time, not knowing who this man was um, and not having any affection toward men because all I had was women in my life at the time, my mm-hmm. mother, my grandmother, my aunt. Um, I had some uncles, but they had their own lives. But my mother and her sisters were really the mother-like types to me mm-hmm. or to my mm-hmm. my um in my life at the time one particular time this man 
um, whose name was Jimmy Earl. We call him Jamal. It's our country way of okay. mashing two words together. Sure. Jamal would come and pick up Darren, my cousin. One time he picked both of us up and I was elated. I was over the moon. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm hanging out with Darren's father. And right. he took me around different places. I don't remember much about it. I just remember one time going with him. Uh-huh. Well, this was the catalyst of why Calvin came into my life. The reason uh-huh. being is that I found out later on that Calvin and Jamal were brothers. Oh. But, okay. okay. So my mother's, <laughs> our, our mothers are sisters. It usually takes right. people time to compose. Our mothers are sisters. Right. And now I'm looking at my bestest buddy, my closest cousin, which I have like thousands of cousins because I have 14 uh-huh. aunts and uncles. Right. Or 13 oh my gosh. Uncles. Yeah. The biggest family. Um, yeah. Um, my closest cousin, we're three weeks apart in age. We pretty mm-hmm. practically grew up together. Um, um, it was it, affectionately, he's darker skinned than I am. I'm an African-American male and I'm lighter skinned colored than he is. And uh-huh. they would call us salt and pepper. That's yeah. how close we were together. We were always together. We always did <laughs> things together. Awesome. That's cool. And so when we found out that our fathers were brothers, uh-huh. that just made us even closer. Right. So... So every summer I would spend in Rocky Mount, North Carolina with my cousin, Darren, I would go see him every summer. I would always have to spend a week with Calvin and his family because they lived uh-huh. in the same city. Okay. I hated it because mm-hmm. I didn't want to be away from Darren. He was like a brother uh-huh. to me. It's your best but friend. I loved yeah. It. yeah, but I loved it because now I have my father in my life and I'm happy about this and this is great and this is right. and I'm trying to move forward. But also sad because Calvin's not really paying the attention that I think he want, he should pay to mm-hmm. me. Um, mm-hmm. Again, me romanticizing who my father was. Also, just side note, I'm a very feeling person. So you'll, I, I express myself a lot. Um, mm-hmm. So most people, and side note, as an African-American male, our, in our sort of culture, and I'm sorry if this mm-hmm. sounds weird, no. it's very it's hard for men to express their emotions because they're like, you know, if you skin your knee, get up, stop crying, don't be a wimp, you know, those kind of things. Right. Right. I feel like it's more so in the African-American community. Mm-hmm. So me mm-hmm. being this way tends to be a little bit more offsetting to people. I don't know. It's really weird. Got it. It's really stupid, mm-hmm. but you, you understand that. Yeah. So anyway, I go through life. Darren and I are best buddies. We spend summers together. Our birthdays are three weeks apart. We're the same age. We go through the same things at the same time. We're dating girls at the same, you know, we're just <laughs> connecting. Yeah. And we've got the same grandmothers and the same grandfathers and the same lineage. We've got everything yeah. the same and we're so proud of it. That's so um, fun. Yeah. Yes, it is. It's like we're, you know, it, and most people are like, that's weird. The double cousins. I don't get it, but that's what we were. And I was mm-hmm. happy about it. Mm-hmm. Um, better to be closer to than my, my bestest buddy in the whole wide world. Mm-hmm. Now, whenever I would go to visit North Carolina, my cousin would say, hey, let's go over to grandma's house. And he meant, now I'm confused. Which grandma? Is it our mother's mother or our father's mother? You know, And mm-hmm. he would say, oh, let's go visit our father's mother. And I would try to connect to this woman, and she didn't seem to have a very big connection to me also. Mm-hmm. It was neither here nor there. you know, And, and it kind of shattered my idea of what family was didn't mm. make sense to me. Why are they so offset to me? Why is Calvin so pushed off or why is his mother so pushed off? Um, right. So now going through life, got to age 21, 18. I just said, I had enough of Calvin. This is not working out. I'm moving forward in life. Um, right. I just felt like he treated Calvin Jr. and I differently. Just a whole lot of dynamics were going on, and I needed to move forward in life because life was starting for me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, by this time, his first wife, who I had connected with, Calvin's first wife, who I connected with, Eva, Eva, she right. she had divorced him. Mm. But I still kept a connection with her just because she was such a good influence in my life. Mm-hmm. And she welcomed that connection to me. And she also helped build a connection between myself and Calvin Jr. to keep that going because she right. felt like the brothers should have that connection, even though mm-hmm. Calvin wasn't fostering that. Mm-hmm. So I go through life. Let's skip ahead a few. Um, okay. Now I'm married, late 20s, early 30s. I'm married. Now I'm having children. My wife, my beautiful wife I married, uh, she's from Barcelona, Spain. Mm-hmm. And learning more about her culture and wanting now having a child, I wanted our child to know his side of the family in Barcelona, Spain. So okay. we ended up moving to Barcelona to live for mm-hmm. a few years. And while we were there... We were tracing back her family history, and we were. She, he was meeting a lot of uh, his family and cousins, and I was very happy for that. And mm-hmm. I started to think to myself, I need to do that on my side, right? For my son, he needs to know mm-hmm. our history on that mm-hmm. side. And by this time, we, say again. I was gonna say, I just wanted it to be like a whole, a whole experience, like a holistic experience like on both sides. Yeah, correct. Now, we by this time we had moved back to America. Um, Mm -hmm. and we're setting up roots again. And this is where the whole ancestry had started to take off. And Mm -hmm. I was very interested in genealogy and I started to do our family tree. So what I did was, is I went to my mother and I pulled her aside and I Mm -hmm. said, Hey mom, listen, I'm going to do, I really want to do the family tree for your side of the family, not for Calvin's side of the family, because I don't know anybody on his side of the family Mm -hmm. he didn't Mm -hmm. he didn't really put forth the effort to spend time with me or to put me in front of other people I don't know anybody on his side of the family I'm just going to not worry about that just worry about my mother's side of the family right yeah now now mind you correct now mind you when I was born to my mother um on my birth certificate there is no father listed on the on the birth certificate and I never knew why and I got a copy you know when I got married and applied for a passport, I started seeing this and I started uh-huh. saying, started questioning in my head, but I just uh-huh. put that in the back of my head. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. I said, mom, I'm going to start doing the family tree. Now, not to be hypocritical, tell me the full story of my conception and uh-huh. birth and, and so forth. So that in case I find out something embarrassing about someone else in the family, then it wouldn't seem like I'm putting out their garbage rather than putting out my own garbage. And got, got it. <laughs> so I, I thought that was noble reasons. And I okay. said, please, can you tell me? So she decided to tell me the story of my conception. <laughs> so the story of my conception was she was a young lady. Um, she was doing really well in school and she uh, was really focusing on her schoolwork and the opportunities that were presented to her um, in this very poor area of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she did really well in school. So there was a summer program coming up where she could do extra schooling and for gifted or whatever they wanted to call mm-hmm. it back then. And she was dating a young boy named Calvin. Mm-hmm. But she found out through the grapevine that Calvin had a need to have many women in his stable. Mm-hmm. He was mm-hmm. quite the player, very centered on himself and what he wanted. And there was a rumor that he was... Um, chasing a very young lady by the name of Eva, who went mm-hmm. to a different school, or was a lot younger, um, rather, they went to the same school. 
And so my mother got tired of the rumors and said, Calvin, it's over between you and I and broke up with him. That summer, she went away to this this special program at a school. It's not that Mm -hmm. far away. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you live in rural North Carolina, before there was internet and before there was a lot of mass Ubers, that was pretty far away. And so while she was there, her roommate introduced her to a much older young gentleman who was um, that she decided to start dating. Mm -hmm. My mother's mother, my maternal grandmother, was Mm -hmm. not very happy with this. And so she spent a lot of time keeping my mother in check from dating this older woman, older man. Because he was older or or he was a bad guy or what was your... I, I really didn't know at the time, and I, I, I ended up pressing later. What it was, is I think it was just because of the fact that, one, my, um, my maternal grandfather had just passed away. So now my grandmother's trying to put everything in perspective. She's got to take mm-hmm. care of these. What she had now, she had six kids at home mm-hmm. still. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And she was just trying to keep things under control the best she could. She didn't have her right. husband around. And a lot of the older siblings had already moved on and moved away from the house. And it could have been, it could have been a lot of reasons. I can only Mm -hmm. ask. I never got around to asking my maternal grandmother. She had passed in 89 before I got to bring her into this whole tray of asking her questions. This project. Yeah. Yes. So, um, and part of this was done to honor her because she's like the matriarch of the family by my, my perspective. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. so my mother said that she started dating this gentleman. Um, and things went, it went on for a while, but Calvin was constantly trying to get back with her, trying to mm-hmm. entice her back into a relationship. Um, but uh, I got the impression it was sort of in a weasel way. Like, I don't want to be your boyfriend, but I just want to be around you. Just right. like, I know you're dating this other guy. We know I want, the, I want the most attention from everybody. So yes, yes. That was yeah. his nature, which, which totally played true in his seeing him as yeah. an adult. And now I'm in being in his life. So sounds like um, it tracks for sure. <laughs> yeah. So then my mother, of course, and we all know that when people tell stories, good or bad, they tell stories to benefit to my, to not make it seem like they're the bad person. But I just took right. it with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. And my mother said that she eventually had been in a, a romantic relationship with this older guy, and then he would he actually lived in Washington D.C. Oh, and he okay. would travel back each weekend because he was from this area. Because mm-hmm. his mother was dying of cancer at the ah, time. Mm-hmm. And so he would come home every Friday after work. After he finished working in Washington, D.C., he would drive mm-hmm. the three, four hours back home. He would pick up my mother. He would take her back to the house. They would spend time with his mother as she was, you know, getting mm-hmm. bedridden and so forth. Um, and then he, they would go out and do things or whatever they went, what kids did back in those mm-hmm. days mm-hmm. in that part of North Carolina. And so they would do that every weekend. But during the week, my mother would go to school and see Calvin. So Calvin's constantly hounding her without this older gentleman being around. Right. Um, so my mother said she admitted she succumbed to his charm and she mm-hmm. was intimate with him. Mm-hmm. And then she said, in her own words, you know, I could have had a V8. I'll never do that again and walked away. You know, just like, well, right. that was gross. And yeah. so she <laughs> continued to see the older gentleman. Bummer. Until, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so she continued to see the older gentleman until his mother passed away. And around the time that his mother passed away, uh, which is around October of 71, or no, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, November of 71, she realized that she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Now, put a pen in that for a second. Yep. I am a male. I mm-hmm. 
understand women through women. So I have questions, but I didn't want to question of all people, my mother, like, why right. did you do this? Why did you, I don't want right. to ever put anybody in that situation. So if I ever right. sound like I'm being the typical, you know, um, hard-headed male, forgive me. It's just me learning through my mother, through my wife, through my daughter, through, you know, things like that. So to me, it didn't make sense. And I said, okay, that's what happened. You found out you were pregnant. Mm -hmm. And she said, I told the older gentleman and mm -hmm. her impression that she gave to me, not knowing her exact word or remember her mm -hmm. exact words was that he basically said, it's not my child. Goodbye. And never came back around again because of course his mother has passed on now. There's no need All for right. him to come back. That's hmm. the impression she gave me. So now I don't like this older gentleman. How dare right. he treat my mother this way? Totally. Totally. Um, and, but then she said, you know what? I'm just going to go through life and I'm going to raise my son. Good for mm. you, mom. And powerful. Mm -hmm. And of course, that makes me more loving to my mother that she took right. care of me and she raised me and made me into this wonderful gentleman that I like to think I am. Mm -hmm. um, so... I said, that's your story. And she says, yes. I said, well, where did Calvin come into this? And she said, well, as time went on, um, and you would spend time in North Carolina, Calvin's brother, Jamal, would see you all the time and said, you look like Calvin when he was a little boy oh, from pictures. And right. so that two and two came together and they came up with four, but two and two together and they came up right. with four. Right. And Calvin, that one time that Jamal picked me up, he actually took me to Calvin for Calvin to see me. Oh. So there was an underhandedness to it. Right. You know, like, let, let me, let, I'll take, I'll take a sensor out with him, you know, and so forth. Right. Now, now, um, from that point, that's when Calvin decided to get involved in my life and do the right uh -huh. thing. Hey, that's my son. I want to meet him. He contacted right. my mother through my aunt because they live in the same city because Jerome mm -hmm. connected to, um, my aunt, my mother's sister. And that's how this all worked out. Mm -hmm. And I, and I remember saying to her, okay, great. Now I know. Great. Now I can move forward. It's not the most pristine story. It's not without some fault, but that's human life. Nobody's perfect. We can't right. judge. Move forward. Do you, do you feel like um, Calvin's brother sort of pressured him to participate? You know, I don't know. Okay. Or felt, maybe he just felt, felt it. Yeah. I know Calvin's brother. I could contact him if I want to. I just don't know what or who to believe because everybody tells right. a story that benefits them. I'm just, <laughs> just knowing how things are falling into place, I can mm -hmm. only assume so much. Right, but right, right, right. You never, ever know the real truth or intentions right. or motivation. And it so, may not matter. Yeah, it may not. It may, may neither here nor there. So mm -hmm. life has gone through. Um, life has moved forward. Um, and I'm now married and I've got, I've moved, I've lived international, I've come back and now I start my whole quest. Now, mm -hmm. this portion of the story is a little bit off away from the whole NPE, uh, sort okay. of thing, but, but when I started going through my ancestry, it was very, very frustrating mm -hmm. for me as an African-American. And I don't yeah. know, I, I've listened to your first, uh, the, the, the other people's stories, Mm -hmm. I don't hear enough of this, but I can only imagine for other African-Americans um, or people who are adopted of different um, ethnic backgrounds, like uh, mm -hmm. I have a friend who's Asian, who was adopted by American, Caucasian-American parents, but he yeah. has no connection because China doesn't share their DNA per se or right. something like that. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, right, right. So, no, I, you know, I don't, um, I don't have a lot of that in the first season, and that was something that I really, that we really like, uh, wanted to to change about about the second season for sure was to start um, inviting in and representing more diverse uh, yes, stories because yes. it's so different. It is, and and it felt, and everybody has a different story, and there's a perspective that we may not even get because we don't we can't put ourselves in other people's shoes when it comes to different ethnicities or religions or or, or situations so it's good that we hear these different stories mm-hmm. they yeah. to round it out so when i started my journey of course ancestry had just started there wasn't much of a database compared to now there's much mm-hmm. more of a database um i started with ancestry.com and i started searching now i have done i'll say this out loud i've done some comedic work i've done some stand-up <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's something as a hobby. So sometimes I'll tell a joke, please just laugh and move on from it. It's my way of coping with it. But comedy has come from this in so right. many ways. So, so I'm oh, going to sure, say a couple yeah. of things. And if you think, is he serious? Just laugh and move forward. Okay. I'm warning you. <laughs> okay. Um, All right. I'm, I'm bracing myself. Okay. I'm getting ready so, for the for the awkward humor. Well, this is part country and this could be part uh, the African-American culture, but I was going on a lot of things that my ancestors or my aunts and uncles were telling me. Mm-hmm. And it was hilarious to me. They were like, oh yeah, your uncle Pookie. Pookie. And I'm like, what Pookie? Somebody named him Pookie? I can't find a record for a Pookie Watson or something like that. So, <laughs> right. Or Ray Ray or Little John. Please give uh-huh. me their real name. And it was hilarious because I had an aunt tell me, I don't know what my grandfather's real name was. We always called him this. And it's like, it's very frustrating on that sense. Right. But then right. also for the African-American community, we didn't get to own property like, historically. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there were some, but there wasn't a lot. We didn't, we didn't get to register to vote. So we weren't on the census per right. se. And, and then one of, the, one of the most heartbreaking details of the research is that I would find census records. Mm-hmm. And I would read through the census records and they, my grandmother's, my maternal grandmother's name is Lothine, L-O-T-H-I-N-E. Very odd name. I've never heard mm-hmm. it before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've never heard it used in other ways. It's not a very, it's not a name that carries per se. Um, uh-huh. But they write her name and they couldn't spell, either they couldn't spell Lothine or they didn't understand Lothine or, or were, and you can only imagine, was it that, her mother called her Lothine and couldn't mm-hmm. read and write, so she couldn't spell it for the census taker to write it down. Right. Right. So they just or, wrote what they right. thought. Or did the census mm-hmm. taker not have an education to the point where he could write, or she could write, I'm sorry, I was assuming he, yeah. that they could write. And I would assume it would probably be he because they were traveling a lot. It was unsafe mm-hmm. for women to travel as census workers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but there was a lot of... Care. They didn't care yeah, enough they to didn't make care. sure they had it right. But the one part that really broke my heart is that my family were... Uh, from a long line of sharecroppers mm-hmm. and they would work a part of the land that was owned by say and not to be controversial or anything owned by a white landowner but mm-hmm. black... that's not controversial that, i mean we're not controversial but i don't want to you know you know I, i'm sorry yeah. i don't even know i'm just muddling through this my best way i can no, so. you're, no you're doing you're you're just telling there, the truth <laughs> there there were a sharecropper and instead of going to the black family's home to ask them who lives here how old are they you know all these questions they ask they would just ask the white landowner and the white Mm -hmm. landowner would only give them as much information as they knew right whether it was a lot or a little or if they made it up themselves i don't know they had six kids whatever the reason Mm -hmm. whatever the motivation is so i found it very frustrating to find any type of information so for a couple of years three or four years 
I'm on the site, I'm off the site, I'm frustrated, I'm trying to find things, I'm mm-hmm. asking people, I'm moving around, it's just a lot of work to it. And, but at the same time, my Caucasian friends are like, oh, you're doing that? Hey, show me how to do this. And I'd pop in their name, I'd pop in their grandparents' name. And then uh-huh. next thing you know, we're in the 1500s within right. six hours. And I'm like, wow, we're all the way back to ancient, you know, um, mm-hmm. Ireland. Um, right. So comparatively, it was very frustrating. So yeah, that, that would really drive me crazy. Built up a lot of frustration for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But on, the, but on the flip note, I started to do my stepfather's side of the family. And his yeah. came back relatively quickly. He's African-American. It came back relatively quickly, but mostly because his family was mostly from Baltimore, the city. So a lot of records, a lot of jobs, Uh a lot lot of things were there. Whereas if you lived in rural North Carolina, like the other side of the family, you didn't have it. Right. More administrative Uh, records. Correct. So this all comes back to say it just led to a lot of frustration on my part. So Mm -hmm. I had given up. Mm -hmm. I'd come back. I'd given up. So I built up a lot of frustration. So I got to a point. And the reason why I said all this is I got to a point that the DNA test came out and I was thinking, hmm, what if I do the DNA test? That may show me that I'm connected to people that I might not have known about. Yeah. I know humans do things that are not necessarily the best things for each other. We have <laughs> extramarital affairs and so forth. I know that could be a possibility. I was not afraid to put my DNA out there, mm-hmm. even though some people are. And I was very... I was going forward, but I didn't mm-hmm. want to be selfishly spending the money for the DNA test, mm-hmm. which was great because come Christmas time of 19, what was it? I'm, not, I'm sorry, 2000, no, I think it was like five years ago, four years ago. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, when it first came out, that first Christmas, we were sitting there watching the, my wife and I were watching a commercial and it uh-huh. said, hey, do the DNA test. And uh-huh. my wife says, hey, that's what I could get you for Christmas. And I felt uh-huh. relieved that I didn't <laughs> yeah. have the money for it. Well, it's our money, but nonetheless, that she gave me permission. Right. So it I felt said, like a, a selfish a selfish project correct. or something. Yeah. I said, correct. She knew my frustration. She knew how bad I wanted to do this. I had already gotten to a certain point, hit a brick wall. Mm-hmm. So I ordered the kit. The kit was in the mail. My mother and I spend time talking to each other on the phone all the time. I love making her laugh. We uh-huh. connected as best we can. She called me after I decided to buy the kit. So the kit uh-huh. is in the mail. It's on its way. My mother says, hey, what? I'm sorry. You guys, I'm sorry. You guys live in Richmond at this point and she, or where do you live at this point? I live in Richmond at this point. Right. I'm not going to say she lives about an hour and a half away. Okay. Um, She's in the Tidewater area of Virginia, Virginia Beach. Okay. And so my mother is, she calls me, hey, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. We're talking. And she says, um, what are you getting your wife for Christmas? And we have this conversation. <laughs> and then I say, guess what my wife is getting me? And she tells, and I tell her. And uh-huh. she laughs and nonchalantly goes, oh, you young kids know how to waste your money. She thinks it's a waste of time and money. Uh-huh. I'm not uh-huh. giving my, she's old school. She still has right. a VCR that still flashes 12 o'clock, which says two things. <laughs> One, she has a VCR. And second, she right. still hasn't learned how to program. She doesn't know how to so, program it. Yeah. Yeah. So she's laughing at me at spending money on technology. So the next day, 24 hours later, my mother calls me. She's got uh-huh. a very solemn sound in her voice. Uh-huh. Mom, what's going on? She says, oh, everything's fine. I just wanted to, I just thought we should have a conversation. And I said, what about? And she says, oh, about your conception. And I said, really? What would, I said, you, we've already had this conversation. She goes, no, right. I think I might have left some things out. And I'm laughing to myself thinking, you left some things out? Uh-huh. I gave you an opportunity to yeah. tell me. What could you have possibly left out? So she tells yeah. me the story all over again. 
but she tells uh-huh. me pretty much word for word the same exact story. Uh-huh. And I say to her, I said, Mom, you've already told me this story. This is the same exact story she told before. She's, I said, uh-huh. why are you telling me this? In the uh-huh. back of my mind, I'm thinking she's telling me because I'm about to do this DNA test. Right. Did you feel scared? Strange. Did you feel scared or did you, ha- did you have any strange feelings about this when she was telling you? Not at all. But uh-huh. to answer your question about strange feelings, uh-huh. when you grow up through life, especially us, the, the group of people that are in this situation today that we know now, uh-huh. We can always look back and feel some strangeness. We right. just didn't know what it was. Right. And and when we find out the truth through these tests or what have you, uh-huh. then it all clicks and falls into right. place. So right. the strangeness was there. I just didn't know what it felt sure. like. Okay. Um, I didn't know how to express it. Okay. So um, I said, Mom, you've already told me this, this story. And why are you telling me this? And she says, well, I got really sick last night. After I got off the phone with you, I got really, really sick to the point I thought I needed to go to the hospital. And I panicked. I felt like I hadn't told you everything that I deserve to tell you about your life. And I said, I said, well, mom, I'm really sorry you got sick and I'm glad you're feeling better today. But I'm thinking if you were that sick, you wouldn't be on the phone talking. You'd be in the hospital. That's that's what I consider to be real sick. Like I had a heart attack Uh or something. And she goes, I just I just thought I'd share that with you. And I said, well. And I'm a very perceptive person. When people mm-hmm. talk to me, I read between the lines, which mm-hmm. people call me paranoid, but I, I think <laughs> they're just hiding something, um, which is paranoia in itself. But anyway. But if you're not, if you're her, right, when you're right, yeah, it's not paranoia. <laughs> when you find out, when you get facts, when you get truth. So when I said to her, I said, well, listen, you've been talking a lot and you've told me about Calvin and you know, I have no connection with Calvin whatsoever. I don't talk to him. I have nothing to do with him. Um, um, I said, but. I said, you've talked about a lot about this older gentleman. Can you, mm-hmm. what, what, what is the deal with him? I said, who, who is he? And to be honest, I don't know if she told me who he was before or told me his name before. I uh-huh. think she did, but my memory, you know how memory is. You remember something, yeah. you add things to it and things just change. So I don't want yeah. to, I don't want to misrepresent my mother. I think she told me before uh-huh. and I got over the fact. But I'm going to uh-huh. tell you this now because okay. this is a continuity of my story. Okay. She told me what his name was. Okay. And this is the mind-blowing part. His name is Spencer. Ah, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> she tells me his name is Spencer. Whether she told me at that moment after we had that conversation about me getting the DNA test or she told me years before, uh-huh. she told me his name was Spencer. And I remember asking her. Because if all of this has gone on, I cannot remember the timeline anymore. Uh-huh, it's blown, sure. it, my brain has blown a fuse. Because uh-huh. um, we're going to get to it in just a second. When she told me his name was Spencer, I said, why did you name me Spencer and right. not Junior? Because you know how I'm sensitive about this Junior thing. Yes. Right? Yeah. So I've already experienced that to a certain point. Why did you name me Spencer? And she said, I said, did you name me Spencer because you thought I was his child? And she said, she goes, um, I just like the name. And I said, no, mom, <laughs> nobody's got, no woman in her right mind, I don't care if she was 16 or 17, is going to name her child after her ex-boyfriend. Right. The guy that dumped her. Right. Yeah. Um, that either shows a little bit of craziness or something else is going on here. I said, why did you name me that? And she said, oh, because I like the name. And of course, it's my mother. I respect her. I didn't push it. I let it go. Uh-huh. But I uh-huh. always had to reconcile the fact that I'm named after a man that basically deserted her. Right. You know, so 
this is this is my story. It's mm-hmm. it's a bit shameful, but at the same time, I'm laughing about it. I'm making a joke out of it. I'm I'm making I'm doing stand up comedy about this about the fact uh-huh. that I'm named you know. So I go on stage and I say, "Is anybody here named Spencer? I just want to know if you're my dad or not." So uh-huh. I'm laughing about it. Uh-huh. Um, so. I said, mom, listen, you've talked, and now we're at the conversation where we're having around Christmas time after I got the DNA test ordered. I said, mom, can you please tell me something seems weird here? Now I'm getting real right. weird feelings. And yeah. I said, well, what's his last name? And she tells me his last name. And while we were talking on the phone, for some stupid reason, thinking this guy got to be like 67, 68 at the time, uh-huh. I decided to go on Facebook and look him up. Sure. And I go looking for him while my mother's just talking. I'm not even hearing. All I hear is uh-huh. Charlie Brown adult. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> and I'm pulling up his name and up pops several people with that name. Uh-huh. The first listing, I click on it and I look at the picture and it's me, 20 years older. Oh my gosh. It, uh-huh. My whole, do you know the Alfred Hitchcock movie or um, he, he, I think he patented this, 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 this vision. It was in Vertigo where it looks like the world is pulling, the camera's pulling away, but the yeah. background, that's what it felt like. Yeah, 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 I yeah. I finally got it. It was vertigo just sitting in my couch, dealing with mm-hmm. it. I don't hear anything else from that point on. And I'm stuck. I cannot even think straight at this point. And my mom's like, no, he's not your father. Calvin's your father. I'm sure of it. Now, <laughs> I've been in that for a second. Yeah. I'm dealing with the fact that my blood type, no, my mom's blood type, I used to study biology in college. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking anybody could be my father. That's the way that the, the genotypes work out when it comes mm-hmm. to blood and so forth. Mm-hmm. So I'm not mad at her that she doesn't know who my father is. I'm not shaming her because she had two boyfriends or it might've been intimate with two men within the same right. week. I'm not throwing that type of shame on my mother. That would be wrong with me. Um, I'm not mad about that at all. Uh-huh. I'm just overwhelmed by what this might mean if Spencer is my father. Right. The I deal with that. I get off the phone with my mother and I'm looking at his picture on Facebook and I'm looking at his wife and I'm looking at his children and I'm going, wait a minute. And I'm just all of this is coming to me. Like, what could this possibly mean? But I'm looking at this man's face and I'm, it's like I'm looking into a mirror. Yeah. Oh, funny yeah. thing. Funny thing is that I've never I had at the time I had never been able to grow a beard. Like it would mm-hmm. come in in patches. Like I mm-hmm. felt like this, you know, like hormonal teenager with weird facial hair. Um, right. Soon after, side note, soon after, probably within a year, I was able to grow a full beard after seeing his picture of a full beard. It was so hilarious. It was like oh, all of a sudden my beard just came in. It's like my brain released the rest right. of my hormones. It was just waiting. It. Yeah, it was it just was waiting, waiting for you to make the connection. Wow. Yeah. And, uh-huh. and so I'm looking at this guy and, and I'm trying to convince myself that he's not my father. No, this picture doesn't look like me. No, that picture doesn't. No, that, you know, and I'm just uh-huh. dealing with this. The test comes, I do the test, I send it off, and I totally forget about the test. This is the <laughs> first Christmas of the test. And if anybody had did one around that time, I can't remember what year it was. Um, what year is it now? 2020. So it might've been 2016, 2015 right. or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a real backlog. It took oh, a while okay. for the results to come back. So I think I did it right before, or right after Christmas. And my results didn't come back for like three months. Mm, okay. um, the whole time during that three months, my brain is just working. Just, yeah. just how do I deal with this? 
I even forgot I had done the ancestry test. Mm-hmm. It was not even on my radar anymore. Yeah. I'm trying to process all of this. Um, I'm quizzing my mom. I'm asking her for more information. She's like, look, I'm telling you, Spencer is not your father. And I'm like, mom, mm-hmm. I just, something's weird here. And of course, I'm not talking to Calvin. I'm still cl- close to his first wife, but I'm not telling mm-hmm. anybody about this. I'm just dealing right. with this. And so. Um, did you tell, your, did get, you tell your wife? Oh, yeah. I told my wife. This is the okay. hilarious part. This is, this is the joke part. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface it by saying it's a joke. So my wife, being uh, Spanish, she's Caucasian. Uh-huh. I look at her and I said, honey, look at this picture. And uh-huh. she's there when I'm discovering this. And I show uh-huh. it to her. And she looks at it and she just looks at me and she just shakes her head left and right. She doesn't uh-huh. say anything. She doesn't uh-huh. say anything. And I go, tell me this doesn't look like me. I need you to help me with this. I need your yeah. perspective. And she just looked at me like I spoke in a different language that she didn't understand it. She speaks uh-huh. different languages, okay? Uh-huh. And I go, you know what? You're no good. Get away from me. And I just walk right. away. I'm so distraught. Yeah. Um, I go to work the next day. And um, I work with a lot of Caucasian people in my field, okay? Uh-huh. The only reason uh-huh. why I'm telling you this is because it leads into a joke. Right. I am bursting with this. And I tell yeah. all the people at work, hey, this is what's going on. This is what my mother told me last night. Does this man look like me? And they're right. like, they, he looks like you. And I'm yeah. laughing to myself. And I'm like, all black people look alike to you anyway. What, right. are you, what, what, what am I asking <laughs> totally. you for? Yeah. So I go to ask a black person. And they go, yep, he looks like your father. And I go, crap. It is true. Uh-huh. A black person yep. knows I look like this person. So okay. I'm laughing about this years later about the fact that that happened. Um, so anyway, I am dealing with this over the next three months, trying to get this in my head, totally forget about the DNA test. Uh-huh. And I'm trying to figure out a way. I need to know if this guy is my father or not so I can just get this out of my head and move forward in life. So I asked my mother, does he have any siblings? And she said, yes. And I said, did he have any sisters? And they okay. said, she says, yes, her name is Alice that I remember. And I said, great. My theory was uh-huh. she, Alice would probably be more discreet than, say, a brother. Okay. I don't want to ruin this man's life. I don't want to introduce myself to him if he is this crappy person who deserted my mother when she was pregnant right. when she was 17 right. or 16. Complicated, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going, I'm trying to be as even-keeled and nice about this without being disruptive in any way. I figured if I can talk to her, maybe she'll do a DNA test with me, like a mm-hmm. home kit. I'm not even thinking ancestry has anything to do with this because I don't know what to expect. I don't know what's going right. to come back. We all know what comes back now, but I didn't know what right. to expect. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we, it was when it was fresh. It was like a... Yeah. So yeah. I reach out to her. I see his profile on Facebook. I changed my name to encompass my full name, not uh-huh. just... Spencer Warren, but my middle name, and, and also to, in case she knows me through, because I'm sorry, I didn't tell you this before. Everybody on my mother's side calls me by my middle name. Uh-huh. My first okay. name, Spencer, that you know me right. by, is is my school name. It's my professional it. name, it's, and so forth. Nobody yeah. calls me Spencer. I've never liked the name Spencer. I've got teased on being called Spencer because Spencer for Hire, the show came out. I got teased about that. <laughs> Don't know why it affected me, but kids are just weird like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, I never used Spencer before. So I changed my name to, to shows my first, middle, last name. I put it on Facebook and I find his profile and I find his connection to a friend uh-huh. who has the same name as his sister. And I reach out to her and I say, hello. Now, uh-huh. we all know if you're a Facebook user, if you're not friends with someone, if you send a message to them through Messenger, it used to go to their yeah. spam or to another folder. Yeah. I did not want to friend her because I didn't want Spencer 
to see me as her friend if he's active on Facebook. Obviously, he right. has a profile. I just didn't want to cause that stir. Right. I just send her a simple hello on a Thursday. That whole day, nothing in return. That Friday, nothing in return. That Saturday, I'm having a cookout with my friends and we're all at my house. I pull up my email and I see, hey, your ancestry results are back. Sometime in the spring now, April, March, or, no, mm -hmm. March. Mm -hmm. um, three months, I've totally forgot about this DNA test, which I've said a couple of times. And I say, let me read it. And it shows me my genetic makeup, which was surprising. I had, you know, I never knew that I had this genetic makeup and so forth. It told me a mm -hmm. lot of stuff. Great and dandy. I'm making jokes with my friends because it turns out that I'm 23% Great Britain. So I'm <laughs> laughing and I'm uh -huh. going, I'm a quarter white. This is why I can't dunk a basketball. And this is why right, I can't right. <laughs> Just a whole bunch of things. We're just making jokes. And so done with that. Uh, the cookout is over with. I clean up. I go and sit down again. It's 11 o'clock at night. And I go through my results again. Mm -hmm. And now it tells me, I do it on my laptop this time. And now it says, mm -hmm. you have some genetic relatives. Mm -hmm. I start to look at them. Now, of course, my, my pea-sized brain is not processing very well. I'm overwhelmed. And it mm -hmm. says, you have a close relative. Again, mm -hmm. relative new to this, don't understand what close relative mean. And I see their screen name, and I go, who is this person? I can't even imagine right. who it could be. Right. And then I go, and I send that person a message. And I don't even know what to say, because I want to be discreet. And I right. say, hi, um, I, you know, I just see that we're close would you like to talk because this is all new to me blah 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 uh -huh, uh -huh. at 11 o'clock at night i send the message i don't expect a response of course then i look through the rest of the list and it says you have a first cousin and it has a picture but of course mm -hmm. you can't really see the picture it doesn't let you right. expand it at this time right. and i see this face and i can barely make it out but it doesn't look like anyone i know now mind you i know everyone on my mother's side of the family even though i've got my mother has 13 siblings I know all my first cousins. We get together mm -hmm. all the time. I'm really close to Darren, but I know all my first cousins. I'm not even right. thinking about Calvin's family. I'm not even thinking about that. I'm just right. thinking, who is this person? How right. could they be my cousin? And I'm blown away. So I send that person a message as well. <laughs> okay. And then I go to sleep. The next day I get up, I had to travel uh, to two hours away. To I used to coach uh, competitive soccer. And I had uh -huh. a game the next day that was nearby my mother's house. So I was going that direction anyway. And I get in the car and I start driving. And my mind is just reeling about what I just learned about the night before. And on one of my breaks driving down, I, I check my email. And it's that first cousin replied. Not the uh -huh. close family, but the first cousin. Uh -huh. She goes, hey, cousin, it seems like we're first cousins. Um, who are your people? And I'm thinking, I, I, I really don't know at this point. Right. I'm going to need you to help I mean, me out. You need to tell yeah. me. So I'm blown away and I, and I, and I go and I'm playing coy and she's playing coy. This is the internet. You don't want to give too much information away. Right, and I right. just finally, we go back and forth while I'm at this break and in, in my driving and I've got time built in and I'm going, let me just get this over with. I said, Hey, listen, mm -hmm. um, I really think my father's not my father. And do you, are you related to anybody named Spencer who lives in this area of uh, North Carolina? And uh -huh. she goes, she replies almost immediately. That's my brother's youngest brother. I'm floored. Okay. Uh -huh. That's her father's youngest brother. So she is definitely my first cousin through our right. father's side. And right. I'm just sitting there looking at this email, reading it over and over and over again. 
And she says, well, if you need any help, here's my number. Call me. I won't be, I'm not home today. I'm traveling, but call me next week. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. next week? I need to know today. What, is, right. what, what do you mean next week? Right. So I now know that I'm related to someone who's related to Spencer, which makes, mm-hmm. unless, unless Spencer and Calvin are related, Spencer's my father and Calvin's not. Right. And I really don't think Spencer and Calvin are related. But at the same time, I still don't know. Right. Anything so, can happen. Anything can happen at this point. So I drive down. I'm, I'm, my head is in a fog. I coach the game. By the way, I had some pent-up aggression. It seems like we killed that team. I don't know. <laughs> my coaching abilities came, came to life. Uh-huh. Finished the game, did our cool downs, and then I drive back to my mother's house, which is on my way back to Richmond. I get to my mother's house. Oh, what a pleasant surprise. Hey, blah, blah, blah. We're talking, blah, blah, blah. My stepdad is there. Um, and the reason why I didn't do this in front of my stepdad is because my stepdad and I had a very, um, very difficult relationship growing up. Now oh, that okay. we are an adult, um, it's a little bit more respectful. Um, but we've not throwing any daggers at him. He's, I consider him to be my father. He was the one in my life. But good or right. bad, he's my father. That's the way I look at it. Um, now, I didn't want to say this in front of him because I needed to get my mother to not lie to me. I needed her to understand what I'm learning today. And I needed to tell her this. Right. And I, and, and I didn't want to bring my stepdad into this. He's not very good with drama and controversy. He's very archie bunker to himself. So I, I said, Hey mom, didn't you want to go to this place? And she kind of picked up on that clue. Like I needed to talk to her. So we stepped outside and got in the car and went somewhere. And I told her what I learned and she was in genuine shock. And she huh. said, I'm, she said, I'm sorry. And I just looked at her expecting something else to come out, but nothing. Uh-huh. And then yeah. I just kind of went, okay, I still need to process. Took her back yeah. home, got in the car, drove an hour and a half back home, got home, told my wife, my wife just looked at me blankly again, as if I was, she didn't know what to say. And I spent that Sunday night dealing with that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And thinking of the ramifications and saying, still, I'm not sure. I could still be Calvin's child if Calvin and Spencer are related in some way. I just don't, I can't, I'm trying to figure this all out. I go to work on Monday. My head's in a fog. Yeah. And I open up my laptop and I start work. And I know some people are probably amazed by this. I get on Facebook while I'm at work. Sorry. We, <laughs> I, I work in IT. I can get through <laughs> these things, you know. So I sit there, I open up my laptop and I open up Facebook and there is a message from Alice, the sister of Spencer. Uh Aha. And she finally responded after five days and she said, hello, I have been looking for you. My whole world has fell apart. Oh my gosh. So I respond, you've been looking for me. And she says, yes, I lost contact with your mother when you were a baby. And I've been looking for you all this time, but I could not remember her last name. But now that we have, basically, now that we have the internet and all this stuff. Right. And I go, wow. And I'm still responding, being a child of the internet. And she goes, can you just call me? And I go, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so I get on the call and I call her. Now, um, a lot of people may already know this. When you're talking to someone who's older, you, of course, talk to them with respect. Yes, mm-hmm. ma'am, no, ma'am, and so forth. But an- another thing that I do, I've always learned to do, is she would say yes. Ms. Whether they're Mrs. or not, you would say yes, Ms. And then their first uh-huh. name, Miss sure. Alice. Right. Say, yes, Miss Alice. No, Miss Alice. I'm being totally respectful. And she mm-hmm. finally got tired of me calling her that. And she says, she says, would you stop calling me Miss Alice? I'm no stranger. I'm your aunt. 
And I'm going, uh-huh. wait a minute, you know me to be your nephew. Right. This is blowing my mind. So right. now my whole world is destroyed because I'm thinking, Spencer was like, that's not my child, I'm gone. So why would his sister still consider me right. to be, this is really bothering me. So I am at work and I'm like, I really can't get into this, but I, I needed to know something. So I say to her, do I have any siblings? And she says, she, I could hear her smile through the phone. Uh-huh. And she goes, you don't know? And I said, no, I don't. And she goes, you I don't have, know anything. I don't know anything. She says, you have four siblings. You have three sisters and a brother. And my heart just exploded. Hmm. I'm just like, really? Now, <clears throat> one thing you'll know about me or learn about me or if you want to later on in life, I love the women in my life. I have a very fond affection to the women mm-hmm. in my life. Men have been disappointing to me. My stepfather and I didn't get along very well. Calvin and I didn't get along very well. Uh-huh. So I have this very, I'm very apprehensive around men per se. Right. Um, even though I have a boy and a, and a, a girl a child, I'm very close to both of them or I like to feel like I am. Yeah. Um, I don't treat them any differently, but I just don't tend to congregate around the men, older men in my life. Right. So I'm very affectionate toward the females in my life. I coached girls for 20 years, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. You know, I just mm-hmm. get, it. I get it. So now I find out for the first time, mind you, I had Calvin Jr., right. who's my brother. My mom, my mom and stepdad had a son. Uh, he's my younger brother. We grew up together. Um, whereas Cal- Calvin Jr. and I didn't really grow up together and met each other later in our childhood. Um, so there's no real deep connection, but there's a connection between yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. I now have three sisters and I'm like over the moon. I care less about the extra brother I got, but I'm just elated at having these sisters. And I'm going, I have sisters. And then I started thinking to myself, what if we look alike? I'm going to see what I look like as a girl. To me, an ugly, a hugely ugly picture in my head of me looking like a female. Because uh, I'm not, the, I don't think of myself as like this, this overly handsome guy. Like I'm thinking this is going to be interesting because now I get to see things. Now, Going back, you and I were talking about the fact that how did we feel anything strange? Mm -hmm. And I alluded to the fact that you go through life, things feel strange. You just don't know what they feel like. I never felt comfortable around Calvin. And it was from the day we met. And I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was nature or nurture. I don't know if he he set me off or what have Mm -hmm. you. I always felt comfortable with his wife. I just never felt comfortable with him. It felt like there was this, this, this energy between Mm -hmm. us. Um, that didn't work out, but then everybody would always say, oh, you look like him. And that would always go, I go, okay. Mm-hmm. But now in hindsight, when I saw that picture of Spencer right. on Facebook, I knew instantly that was mm-hmm. me. That was my face. That was my nose. That was everything. And so for a child, which is a phenomenon that a lot of people take for granted because they'll never experience it. When you grow up in this situation and then you find people you look like, you become a part of that tribe just by your genetic makeup. Mm-hmm. It, it satisfies something inside of you. It's like a piece has been missing for so long and you go, wow, that's where I got that from. That's who I look like. So that was very satisfying. Right. So that's, that yeah. Well, yeah, I was going to say, so that's what happened to you is you felt like a piece settled into yeah. place. Okay. I knew I looked like my mother, but I never had my father around to figure out which one I looked like the most or which, where I get this from or what have mm-hmm. you. But I never felt like that came from Calvin. So that kind of meeting my sisters or wanting to meet my sisters, I would see the other side of me. I would, it would complete me. Mm. 
it would make me whole. It, that's the feeling that I yeah. got. And I was rushing to that point. Um, not to get too much, not that I don't want to, but not to get too much into it. There is a reading other people's story on these, these, these NPE groups that uh, you and I have been a part mm -hmm. of or that you've talked about before. Um, you find that some siblings don't want anything to do with right. you. You find some siblings are like, oh, yes, please bring them, bring them. We want, we, we want to give you love yeah. just because you're genetically related. Mm -hmm. And you find out that you may be culturally different because mm -hmm. you grew up in different mm -hmm. households or you grew up in that secret. Um, this was odd in the sense that I finally went to meet my sisters. They are both um, adults mm -hmm. and they both have children of their own. And I went and they were living in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, <laughs> where I had set my son. Right. And so I go down there and I finally meet my aunt Alice. She's the one who's the conduit mm -hmm. for me because, because, and we'll get into it. She hadn't told Spencer yet. So I said, I need to meet you as soon as possible. Nobody's guaranteed tomorrow. I'm coming down there. Do you have a problem with that? She says, no, I drive down. I leave work in the middle of the day. I tell them I got to go. I drive down to North Carolina mm -hmm. and I go to her house and as I'm pulling up to her house on this rural road in the back of North Carolina's woodlands, whatever, I go past a sign that says their last name, towing company. Mm -hmm. So I'm seeing that the family has a, has a business. Yeah. And that makes me feel like, wow, you know, this is what I come right. from. Like and I'm starting to feel this. Mm -hmm. Like, that's my spirit, my entrepreneurial um, spirit. Right. Maybe this is where I get it from. Is this genetic? Is this, is this nature or nurture? Mm -hmm. And I pull up. And she's so warm to me and she's so sweet. And she says, okay, we're going to go visit your sister. And she hops in the car and we drive on through and she's telling me stories about, yeah, when you were a baby, I used to babysit you. And I'm going, what? what? You're, what? And I'm, 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 I'm not stopping mm -hmm. her. I'm just letting her mm -hmm. talk. And I go, you used to babysit me? She says, yeah, when your mom had to work, I would babysit you. Because my daughter would always ask me when she was talking about her daughter, mm -hmm. She says, my daughter said, hey, do you remember that? Do you remember um, little Spencer? You know, we used to babysit him. Whatever happened to him? And she's like, I don't know, honey. I'm looking for him. And she would tell me these stories. And I'm looking at her going, what is this woman? What right. kind of, there's no way this is happening. Right. You know, is she lying to me? I don't know these right. people. But, I, but I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I want to know what, I want to know more about mm -hmm. me. So we show up at my sister's house. And I'm huggy. I'm a hugger. Mm -hmm. I'm very affectionate. And I'm like, hey, how you doing? And I look at her face and she looks like uh -huh. me and she's gorgeous. Uh -huh. And I'm thinking, this is the most beautiful face I've seen. And she's got, and this is funny because I have a dimple in my right uh -huh. cheek, but I don't have one in my left uh -huh. cheek. And we've, uh, growing up, people always said, you know, um, um, your mom couldn't afford two, two, two dimples. dimples or something like <laughs> right. that. You know, we're so poor, you can afford two dimples. She has a dimple in the same cheek. Wow. So it blows me away that I'm sitting here looking at her. Mm -hmm. It's not a mirror image, but it's just, I see our similarities. Yeah. And I'm in, I'm in her house and I'm, she's got three daughters. And of course, again, I've coached girls for a long time. I'm being affectionate. The daughters are climbing all over <laughs> me. They're so nice and so sweet. And I go outside and play basketball with the, with the, with the, the middle age uh -huh. one. And it's just, it was just like a home. Yeah. It sounds so fun. And the sister, her name is Olivia. She goes, you look just like our uncle Brooke. And I go, what? <laughs> and she goes, yeah, you look just like him. And you look like dad, but you look like Brooke. So now I'm feeling even more of a connection right. because now I look like more people. Right. I see my genetic like, makeup coming. Really, yeah. And this is great. And then she says to me, you know, dad used to talk about you all the time, <gasps> but, 
What? Oh no. I, oh no, no, I no, no, no. He deserted my mother. And I don't say this right. because I don't want to pick anybody off. But I'm going, huh? And she goes, Yeah, he's telling us about you. We go to bed, he tell us about you. I'm like, us. He goes, Yeah, my you know, our other sister. Well, actually, first she goes, my sister, our sister. She corrects herself because uh-huh. now this is new for her. But I'm thinking, I'm thinking now in my head, as a woman, why didn't she, with her motherly nature, come looking for me? Oh, interesting. And she never did. She knew I was out there. She just never came looking for uh-huh. me. And, and I said to her, why didn't you come looking for me? And her knee-jerk response was, and I think this has started a bad blood between uh-huh. us. She goes, why didn't you come looking for us? Uh-huh, right. And I looked at her and I go, because I didn't know you existed. And right then that moment, I started to feel something toward my mother. Huh, yeah. I'm starting to think something bad here. It's starting to sink in. And I said, I'm not going to go that, down that route just yet, because maybe I don't have all the, the full story. Right. The near- now I realize this is, this is going to be a very sinister or possibly dark reason behind that. right and i need to figure this out i need to figure out who spencer is i need to figure out really who my mother is right so the other sister comes over they're a bit standoffish the kids their kids are all over uh-huh. me. but and i'm warm but i feel this coldness coming from my siblings and i just kind of let it go uh-huh. now my father finally calls me and i hear his voice for the first time which of course nearly made me explode with tears um because i never heard his voice before and um i laughed to myself because i uh coming from north carolina we have a a very distinct dialect just like if you're from alabama or georgia or what Mm -hmm. but if you listen to my voice now i don't think that comes out Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people can't tell where i'm from they think i'm from the northeast or from some major city or something Mm -hmm. I learned how to get rid of that accent, but every now and then I can bring the accent sure. back if I'm around my family a yeah, lot. Sure. And his voice has that accent. Mm-hmm. So I'm laughing to myself that, you know, he's got that accent that I've been trying to get away from, but it was so warm to hear his voice for the first yeah. time. And he's very coy at first. And he says, hey, there's some things I got to take care of, but, you know, I'm going to call you very soon and we're going to get together and I would love to meet and I'm glad you found me. I've been waiting for this day to happen. And I'm like, wait for this day. You knew I was out there. What? And I don't want to be angry right. because I want to get family history. I want to get medical history. I want to get, I want to be amicable without being divisive, right. Right. you know, but I, yeah. there's, there's some points to this. So, um, moving forward, um, I end up meeting him. He finally tells me the story and his thing was, is that he and my mother, his story is that he and my mother were connected all the way through my childhood. My mother even came to live with him in Washington, D.C. shortly after I was born. It just didn't work out. And my mother ended up going back to Richmond to live with one of her sisters. And over time, he eventually would tell me more information. He just was very coy about what he was going to tell me. Uh-huh. And I think, and I respect him for this. I think he didn't want to say anything bad about my mother, right. not knowing who I was, right. knowing right. that that's all I had, my mother. And I respected him for that. Mm-hmm. And I appreciated it. But I also told him, I said, listen, not everybody's perfect. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know you, but 
tell me your side. That's all I need. And, and I'll try to figure out what's, what's up, you know, what I believe, what I feel, what, I, what, what happens. He just to this day will not speak ill of my mm-hmm. mother. So part of the story is missing. But the reason why this has been difficult for me is because hearing his side of the story doesn't match up with my mother's side of the story. Right. But it makes my mother's side of the story seem to be suspect. Right, right. Just because it didn't make sense. Right. If he was in contact with my mother for so long, why did my mother erase that history by telling me that story of my conception twice, right. admitting him both times and painting him in a negative picture? So interesting. So the reason why I decided to have this conversation with you and hopefully for the yeah, other viewers yeah. or listeners. There have been some MP situ- MPE situations that have been from 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 affairs, mm-hmm. um, from less than desirable reasons. But one of the aspects that I think is unique in this situation, mm-hmm. and there's so much more to my my story. Um, one of the unique situations is the the amount of guilt and shame that women carry mm-hmm. when this happens. Yeah. And historically, culturally, we've put women on a certain path to be a certain way, whereas men get a free pass. Right. Um, and if a woman were to have an illicit affair, or if a woman were to be um, on alcohol or drugs or a party or, or, or such, and this were to happen, it shames the woman when she has a child out of this situation where she has to save face um, to a point where you know, what if um, she was, you know, following a band and she decided to sleep with a band member and the band member doesn't even remember her right. name. So the child finds this out and the shame that they have to deal with, the mother protects the child by lying to mm-hmm. them or the mother protects the child by having an affair and lying to yep. them. Um, and, and then even when found out by DNA, there are some mothers who are like, I don't believe in DNA. Right. That's all a lie. And it's like, well, how did it pick out this person out of 330 million Americans? <laughs> who lived in Utah, how did, you know, and you happen to live down the street from them back in 1962. Right. Um, right. <laughs> right. The amount of guilt that our mothers in these scenarios are carrying, yeah. they start with a lie and they live that lie for the rest of their life, not knowing that DNA was going to catch yeah, them in that I lie. I think about it all the time. And, and the mental, we, we, we don't even understand our brains and our personalities and our psyches. The fact that a woman has told a lie in my case for 47 years, it's hard for her to release herself from that lie because everything she's built on it, that house of cards she's built on it comes crumbling down. And so their defense mechanism is to say to the child, don't tell anyone. Mm -hmm. They want us to carry that weight, which my mother said to me, don't tell anyone. And I said, why not? This is my story. And she says, but it's none of their business. Right. And I'm thinking, no, you don't want the shame yeah. of this. And, I, and I've even given my mother a pass to the point where I've said, listen, mom, you were 16 years old. That's a major decision to have made yeah. at the age of 16. You had just lost your father. You had all your other, older siblings who had left the home. There was no one there to look after you. You had, a, you, had a, you had a mother that was reeling from losing her husband of so many yeah. years, you know, at least 20, 30 years. Um, you were growing up in a very poor 
sharecropper situation where now the breadwinner who had been stricken with brain cancer and sick most of his last few years of his mm -hmm. life finally had to leave. I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot. I don't blame you for yeah. this, but let me let you, let me release you from this. Yeah. And she says, she, she basically couldn't deal with that. Now, another response is the mother will turn on the child mm -hmm. and basically go out and go out of their way to poison everyone else with their version in order to vilify the child who has learned this. And what doesn't help is when the child learns out this new truth, whether it's from uh, rape or whether it's from um, incest or from an affair or my case, it was not, it was just a relationship. Mm -hmm. just consensual. It was just the fact that <laughs> yeah. conventional relationship. Yeah. It, it, maybe it was a little sketchy in the sense that she was between two men, which some people might turn their nose up to even to this day. But back then, even more so, you had more people who probably turn their nose up to the fact that this young girl was sleeping with two different men. Mm -hmm. um, that guilt she carries from 1972 to now, mm -hmm. you know, and, and that guilt has built up this fortitude, this, this, this wall around her that she is stuck into. And I feel bad for my mother because now she can't let that go. Yeah. She can't just live in the truth. And, and the aftermath of all this, is that my mother and I have had an argument and and I think it built from the fact that I was not going to hold her secret anymore. Mm -hmm. And she knew this and she was feeling it and she felt the pressure. And now she and I haven't spoken in about eight months. Oh no. Which is yes, mm -hmm. it's it's been she's found a reason to be angry with mm -hmm. me. And she's used that as a reason to not speak to me. And it's one of the most ridiculous small reasons I've ever seen, but she had to find something in order to justify hiding her shame. Right. And, and sadly people are allowing this to happen. And I've just basically just said, okay, eventually she'll, this will come back around, right. but I just want her not to live in that shame. And I know a lot of us, a lot of us NP people are dealing with mothers who are living in that shame and, it's almost like the truth shall set you free. Right, you know, I know. We're trying to help them, even though we're, even though we're suffering because our whole world got rocked, mm -hmm. and now we see the world in a different way. And you know, my case, I was forty-four, I had children, and now this whole quest to bring a gift to the family turned into a life-changing thing for me. Mm -hmm. It's a bit of trauma for us. Yeah. It's almost. Uh, not to discredit anybody else's ailments, whether they've been a victim of violence or rape or anything like that, where they're dealing with that trauma. No one knows what you're going through unless you go through yeah. it, but nobody knows how to help us right. go through it, where they're telling us things like, oh, get over it. Oh, you already had a father. What are you complaining about? So isolated. Why do you yeah. need to know who your father yeah. is? Yeah. So it's almost like they're patronizing us when we don't even know how to deal with it. Also, I don't think the mental health uh, um Community. the mental health um, community is necessarily prepared for this yeah. too. I've seen a therapist and she had no idea of how to deal Ugh, with this. That's annoying. Mm -hmm. And so telling this story over and over again, has been very difficult mm -hmm. through different therapists and each therapist is like, ah, well, let's deal with your mother's issue. Mm. No, let's deal with mine. Right. I'm dealing with the fact that I have a whole new family now. That's the reason why I decided to come on and tell mm -hmm. my story because maybe it might help someone else to know they're not alone, even though 
this wasn't a, a sense of, you know, infidelity or whatever. Um, I'm dealing with uh, siblings who don't want anything to do with me at this point. And I think that comes from the fact that uh, other issues, but I've seen it's a phenomenon where if your situation is because of um, infidelity, mm-hmm. your existence tarnishes their father. Right. So that's why they don't want anything to do with you. you you're a reminder of the, the negative. Right. Um, you rep- there's yeah. a whole bunch of issues. Yeah. It's like, well, I think a lot of people for the, this other person that appears, you know, even though they knew about you, like, uh, I mean, I, I sort of have the same, a similar situation with siblings. And I, I, I just get the feeling that nobody knows what to do with me. Yeah, <laughs> and I kind don't. of don't know what to do with them either, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's yeah. like, it's all weird. And there's no, because this has never happened before, there's no language and there's no like platform, like there's no protocol. It's just totally um, uncharted territory. And in the end, I've looked for all these ancestors and I feel like I'm left with zero right. mm. because I went looking. Sure. And that's the part that destroys you the most, mm-hmm. you know. So in the aftermath, I don't have a connection with my t- the two older siblings. And I, I kind of skipped around. My father, he, um, the story I got later on, if anybody's ever wondering, anybody's listening or ever wondered, when I met my father, he's a really nice gentleman. I look just like mm-hmm. him. Um, he's very warm. He's very sweet. I, I get a good feeling about him. Um, he won't speak ill of my mother. That's great. He's married. He's on a second marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, his first marriage was around when I was about five years old. Um, and he ended up having a child, which was my sister, Olivia. And then later on, about 13 years later, they had another mm-hmm. child, um, my other sister. Um, they had a very uh, rocky relationship. They got divorced. He married another woman who, this is hilarious to me, um, he was, I think, in his late 30s, early 40s. I didn't do the mm-hmm. math because my head was hurting at the time. <laughs> um, but she was she was 18. Uh-huh. Okay. And, and, and they ended up having children. Mm-hmm. So I have a sister who is a month older than my son, and their names are similar, right. which I thought was hilarious. Yeah, oh, my gosh. And then, and then the other part is I have a brother who's 13 years old. You know, I'm yeah. near 50 yeah. and he's 13 years old. So he's like my son right. or could be my grandson. Right. But the sad part about it is that his name is Spencer. Ah. Oh. <laughs> Let's let that sink in. Right. Okay. So, here's a story behind that. <sighs> yeah. Because again, if you go looking, you're going to find crazy right. stuff. When he married his first wife, she was aware that I was in existence. Mm-hmm. And that's why he told his first two daughters mm-hmm. about my existence. He and my mother decided it wasn't going to work out, but for some reason, there was a falling out between my mother and him, Mm -hmm. Um, and my father, Spencer, decided it was best he stayed away. You can read into that whatever you want, whether it was a threat or whether whatever it Mm -hmm. is, I don't know, but he decided to stay away for the safety of someone or something, sanity or peace of whatever. Mm -hmm. So he's always known about me his whole life. He just decided to wait until I found him after I turned 18. Speaking on that, I think that's a cop-out, but at the same time, I'm a father. I do things differently. I, if I was in that situation, I would probably press. But again, male um, rights to their children and, and custody in 1977 was a lot different than 2020. Right. You know, so. um, 
he had a divorce from this woman and he married this other woman. They had children, but he never told the second wife about it. Uh, so when I pop up out of the blue, the reason why he didn't come to me right away was because he had to break it to her that she had a son out there and also the son's name is Spencer. <laughs> which does not make any sense because why would he let his second wife name the child Spencer if he knew he had a child out there unless he didn't know my name was Spencer mm. or unless he just was hiding a secret again here's another secret that people hide that comes back to bite you right later. right he just couldn't couldn't, rec- couldn't yeah. reconcile all these different narratives yeah so here i am stuck in limbo uh-huh. a grown man uh-huh. feeling like an eight-year-old child again and dealing with all of this it was just not a very pleasant it, it is still something i've gone through it's still up and down yeah. it's still all over the map um so my mother um, going back to her, I confronted her. I asked her questions. She's very coy. She's coming and hawing. She's when I tell her stuff, she says, "No, that's not true." Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, "Okay, this is the woman who raised me, and my father's telling me something." And I go back to her to confirm it, so that I can put this in my store, this in my head as being true. And she tells me, "No, that's not true." And now I don't know who to believe right. because now I have reason not to believe my mother because she's lied about totally. Things. She totally erased the first five years of my life. Mm-hmm. And here, here's this man who's gentle and sweet that I know nothing about. But I'm thinking, I already have a father, good or bad, with my stepdad. Yeah. But I'm trying to reconcile this, this piece of my life. And it's just been, it's just been a tornado of emotion. Yeah. To the point where sometimes I've got to drop out. Sometimes I step back in. Mm-hmm. But, but everybody on his side of the family... Spencer's side of the family knew I existed, mm-hmm. but nobody came to look for me. Yeah. And now that I'm here, nobody's putting forth effort to keep me here. Mm-hmm. They're just basically like, oh, you're there. Okay, mm-hmm. fine. Curiosity so, satisfied. Okay. Yeah. Right. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And I think I rambled and bounced around enough to confuse. No, people. you stayed very coherent. I was I was with you the whole oh. way. It was great. I'm there. Are, there's so many points. Yeah. That I, that, that's the main part. Yeah. There's so many little points to it. No. Yeah. No. I mean, every so, story has like all its like digressions that you can just sort of rabbit hole down. But um, yeah. So it, it's just a matter of trying to. I him and hawed about what I wanted to do mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. this, um, how I wanted to portray the story, what would it benefit, and I was hoping it might help someone else to know. Of course, they're not alone. Yeah. Um, that there are different scenarios. I like to think of my situation as being unique, mm-hmm. um, but there might be people out there who are going through this, so it's not so unique. And I would gladly offer my support to them as well, yeah. too. So, yeah. So, but if you have any questions or clarifications, or I mean, oh, I know yeah. one thing. I was gonna. I, you had you told me to ask you about, and so I wrote it down. Why does it matter that your mother was the tenth of fourteen children? Oh, this is where it gets better. <laughs> um, so as I'm dealing with all of this, and of course, I still got my ancestry going mm-hmm. on, to make a long story short, um, my mother is also NPE. Oh. Finds out her father mm-hmm. is not her father. Now, this is where it affects me. Right. I have my mother's last name, which is her father's last name. Okay. Got it. Um, and that's the only last name I've ever had. Mm-hmm. I've never had Calvin's last name. 
I've never had my stepdad's last name. Nobody's ever, like my stepdad always talks about, you know, I wanted to adopt you, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me that unless you really go through with it. Right. Um, but at the same time, I took pride in having my last mm-hmm. name. This was the last name of my family right. because I didn't know Calvin until I was eight. Mm-hmm. That was my family. My mother's side of name. I didn't know Spencer. That was my last right. name. When I found out after doing all this family research, I researched and I couldn't find much information. Again, African-American. Mm-hmm. sharecroppers mm-hmm. is very hard to find information mm-hmm. i started to find some civil war information about ancestors that carry the same last name that are connected to my paternal grandfather uh-huh. um i never met this man there's only one picture of mm-hmm. him um and my mother never really talked about him that much mm-hmm. um and which i thought was odd that she, she didn't have that sense of telling me about my lineage uh-huh. it was almost like life started with her and that was mm-hmm, it um mm-hmm. so i'm drawing a very close connection to a man i've never met before but he is the patriarch of our family mm-hmm. or what i know to be mm-hmm. and i realized that my mother um not to get into in the african-american community is a classism or colorism we like mm-hmm, to call it mm-hmm. um have you ever heard of that before yeah l- a little bit um, um, my mother is a fair skin, more fair skin than most of her siblings. Mm-hmm. They're dark, darker. They all have the same facial features and so forth. Um, but everybody kind of kept it to themselves. And it wasn't until I realized that my mother, father was not her father through this DNA uh-huh. test that it started to come out that some of my cousins and aunts and uncles were like, yeah, we always wondered that. Oh, my yeah. grandmother, being that mother was 10 of 14. Mm-hmm what is the story mm-hmm. why did this happen now again i don't want to judge my grandmother yeah and and part of this journey which may be going a little bit off topic i know we're going close to time so forgive me if i go too long but part of this story of ancestry is that we romanticize history yeah we've romanticized history like oh my grandparents got on the ship and they came across mm-hmm. and they were in the elephant that was hard <laughs> yeah it wasn't all, it wasn't, it wasn't Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, on a boat, you know, drawing pictures of whoever the character right. was in, in Titanic. Gross. This was hard. This was, this was, and they came and they met opposition and humans are not nice to each mm-hmm. other. And there's racism. Classism. There's a, there's a lot of part of the story that we're not aware of. Right. Um, but you start to see the ugly side of being humans by researching your ancestry huh. because you start seeing things that are not very perceived. Yeah. Yeah, And so I found a part of my history. Let me go back. The whole part of this whole journey was to tell my story of how I got here Mm -hmm. in order to pass it off to my children. I do the work for them. Mm -hmm. Knowing where you came from, who you came from, what you came from, again, which is romanticizing Mm -hmm. it. Knowing the adversity that you went through, whether you are a minority or whether, you, you know, you come from adoption or whatever the reason is, mm-hmm. to know that your family life overcame that to become the person that you are today is an uplifting story, I think. To know that your 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 grandparents were immigrants from Lithuania and they came here and now you've got this great home, this great family, and that is a, 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 an, an inspiring right. story. Right, we love that here. We love I that think. here in America, especially. Yeah. Yeah, we love that. We love that. 
Um, but when you find the dirt, mm -hmm. it puts it in perspective where you realize that your grandmother, who is a saint mm -hmm. next to Mother Teresa, she wasn't the saint you thought she was. Right. And and a lot of people want to hide that. They don't want that to um, to be seen. Right. They don't want that to be to be put out there. And I think that also led to my mother being a little bit more, you know, defensive. Like, uh oh, what else is she going to find uh -huh. out? And my mother was aware that her father wasn't her father too. She finally confided that she she she'd heard grumblings about that growing up. But then you wonder what happened. Ah, oh, that's interesting. While my grandfather yeah. was sick with brain cancer, my grandmother was having an affair. Or he, there's a lot of stories that come in yeah. that can pop up, sure. but I don't want to speculate. Yeah. But that was important, telling you that part about her being ten or fourteen. So not only am I MPE, so was she. MPE too. Yeah, and it's too bad. I, I think it's really common when this happens. It's too bad that you guys can't connect over that connect over that disconnection. Um, that, yeah. I, that these other all these other details are muddling are muddling the um, the basic sort of like existential crisis of identity. It's almost it's almost it's almost like you can parallel like AA or NA meetings. People who are going through it can help you through it because they've already been through right. it. You know, right. like, how do we support each other? How do we help each other? Mm -hmm. And that's why I love this podcast. That's mm -hmm. why I love what you're doing. That's why I love these groups, um, good or bad. I love these groups that we're finding out here on Facebook that are helping other people to connect mm -hmm. on different levels. Because um, as humans, we're not ready because we are still writing these romantic books about about history, right. which, you mm -hmm. know, it's not always so pristine and clear. Yeah. So. Uh, there we are. wow great this is so awesome I have two I have two questions for you one is the yeah. regular question that I ask everybody which is um, do you wish your mother had told you and when would that have been an appropriate time um, that's the hard yeah, part super the, hard there's not always a straight yeah, answer I, w I wish she I wish she had told me and, and when I say I wish she had told me I don't want it because it would have saved me some grief mm -hmm. because I had a lot of grief with Calvin yeah. as my yeah. father um, pain builds character and I like who I am today. So I don't wish it went a different mm -hmm. way because I like who I am and what I am and what I stand yeah, for I understand that today. Understand um, that. so when was an appropriate time when I asked her, you know, uh, I said, Hey, tell me the story of my conception. Right. If she said, if she had said at that point, I'm really not sure who your father mm -hmm. is. I'm more confident as Calvin. Right. And we'll never know because at the time there was no DNA right. test. There was no public right, DNA right, test. Right, right. Easy paternity. Um, yeah. There, the paternity test was up to a certain point. Right. There was Maury Povich right, at that. Right. So now I'm just not going to go on Maury Povich. No, and deal no, with no. That. Yeah. You are not the father. I was not going to deal no, with that. No, no, no. So, so with that being said, there again, there's no regrets. I The only regret I have today is I still believe she's living in that shame. Yeah. And she's living in that lie, yeah. and she's not ready to let it go. And that, and that shame has caused her to remove herself from my life mm -hmm. over something ridiculous. Mm -hmm. But now a lot of things make sense. A lot of things make a lot of things that happen in life that I that never those pieces didn't fit, mm -hmm. but they were always fragments of my memory. Right. Now they all fit. They all make sense. So some of that was unnecessary. Mm -hmm. But here we are. Yeah. And in the end, I'm a better person for it. Also, I've met some really great people in, that I might not have met in the MP yeah. 
world. Yeah. And um, I, I'm going to toot my horn a little mm-hmm. bit here. Um, I'm going to brag a little do bit. Uh, I, I think I can do it. When I originally joined the MPE group, a coworker, she was going through the, the situation. She turned me on to this one group we had on Facebook. Uh-huh. And I joined the group. And I was reading everybody's story and realizing I wasn't alone and so forth. But I was at a point where I had discovered, I had dealt with it. I was moving through it. Everything was going in a positive way. So I decided to throw love back out. Mm-hmm. And this is going toward meeting people that I probably would have met before. I've realized that a lot of siblings are pushing us away. Mm-hmm. A lot of half siblings out there are pushing us away. So I reached out and I said to blanket it, put it out there. If anybody's looking for a brother, even if your genetic siblings are not accepting you you've got a brother here yes. just reach okay. out and from there i'm remembering this connected okay. with, yeah okay. yeah from there i have reached i i'm sure other people have done it i don't think of myself as any more special than anybody else but it was me giving out that love yeah. because i saw a lot of people hurting and i was hurting because i got rejected from my right. siblings they don't want anything to do with me um that was a beautiful to me again pat myself on the mm-hmm. back I felt that was my gesture to give that love out to people who might have needed it at that time. And from there, I've made friends through Facebook that are still my Mm -hmm. friends. And we still talk. We just don't talk about MPE stuff. We don't need to because now we've got a bigger connection than that. Yeah, that's awesome. That is a positive that that came from that that problem, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I think that's great. That's where I stand. That's cool. yeah, I know people really appreciated that when you did that. Um, and then my last question um, is just, mm-hmm. did you, because you talked a little bit about the struggle of um, of getting records and in general, um, the history of African-American genealogy is um, mm-hmm. more difficult. Did you, is there anything that you found that you felt like was a good resource or was a tip that you would give other people of Af- African-American or people of color or minorities like a way that they um that they can do it or just um or is it just that everybody has you just have to keep trying (laughs) you just have to keep trying sadly i don't have a tip for Mm -hmm. anyone um i just kept trying and of course my search stopped because of this npe situation so i haven't been looking anymore yeah Um, that's so common but but i but i've kind of gotten to a point now where i kind of see my family Mm -hmm. my my Warren family to a certain point. I've already done Spencer's side of the family right. as well. Um, and I see where I came from and so forth. And I put that together and I kind of got to a point where I've, for lack of a better word, I burnt yeah. out. Yeah. So I can't give, I, I've kind of stopped. I just don't do it anymore. I don't look, I don't, I, I've, I've seen too much of the negative yeah. that it's made me stop. And I don't want to discourage anybody. If you want to look, if you want to keep searching, please keep trying. Mm-hmm. New records come up all the time. Right. You never know what's going to happen, but if it's not there, if there's uh there's landowner records mm-hmm. and you just don't have that as a minority, that's just that's just a part of our history. But we need to, in many different perspectives, culturally, um, as Americans, we need to understand that this is just another perspective of our history right. that we need to be aware of. I think we should speak more on it yeah. and we should be aware, but it doesn't mean that we need to, you know, vilify any group of people because this is what happened, you know. 10, three, 400 years ago, this is just what it is, but we need to be honest about right. it. And that goes into a different realm, but, but yeah, we just, just being honest about the fact that there aren't a lot of records. Right. It's not ancestry.com's fault or right. 23andMe or whatever reason. It's just what the it is. But yeah. here, here's another aspect. 
I'll throw this out here. And this is not to vilify anybody. This is just my experience that might connect with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Being an African-American, I know that along my historical line, there have been some Caucasian DNA to mix in. That was already aware before I even got the test. Uh-huh. I have lighter, lighter, a lighter complexion than, say, a lot of my um, my my aunts and uncles mm-hmm. and siblings. One, because I kind of know that my mother is an MPE, mm-hmm. and also um, um, just the fact of historical. We can go back to Thomas Jefferson right. and Sally Hemings if we want to talk about all that right. stuff, um, which is part of the MPE story too, mm-hmm. to a certain point. Um, but knowing that the history of our country with slavery, with with a lot of things that happened, we understand that there were some mixing of the DNA between one class and the other class, slaves and the owners mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, now, with that being known, um, I think I talked myself out of a point. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> that is so embarrassing. Um, there was a point I was about to come to that. Uh, history. I knew this was going to happen. I told you to keep me on no, You were doing great. You were doing great. I was following right along. Um, Here's the point. Here's the point. So I'm looking through my DNA record, mm-hmm. and part of the reason why I wanted to do the DNA test, mm-hmm. and this is going to sound outlandish, but it made perfect sense to me, that if I did the DNA test, I thought one scenario, and stay with me on this, one scenario is that if I found someone who was Caucasian, that was a fourth or fifth cousin, uh-huh. maybe they know their lineage. Yeah. Because like I said previously, a lot of Caucasian people know their lineage just a little bit easier than, say, African-Americans yeah. here in the country, yeah. um, um, which is not 100% always the truth, just in my scenario, being the South, being uh-huh. North Carolina, being a slave state, and so forth, um, that maybe they could trace themselves back to, say, plantation, right. where they might have had a Bible that wrote down all the slaves' names. Right. One of my hard, heartbreaking points of looking for my ancestors is that I can get back to the 1860s uh-huh. and then it just goes cold. Right. And it goes cold for the reason that slave owners didn't necessarily write down in their census. Right. Is that, is that correct censuses? In the census, <laughs> okay. they didn't write down, mm-hmm. um, they didn't write down, say they had 10 slaves, they didn't write down their names. They just said, boy, right. 12. Right, right, right. Girl, 14. So that girl 14 could have been sold from one plantation to another and then girl 14 on another plantation, but there's no way right, to connect right. that record. Mm-hmm. So 1860s is where it stopped okay. for African-Americans. Right. Before that, you would be lucky. So I was hoping that if I did a DNA relic, DNA um, test, yeah. that maybe there were a Caucasian person mm-hmm. who shared DNA with mm-hmm. me that knew their lineage and maybe they told me, oh, well, you know, fifth grandfather owned a plantation in this area of North Carolina, which would have been in our area. And here's a list of the slaves. And this is their name. And I could match it with someone that I knew from the 1860s, yeah. which I, I found a name that went back to the 1860s. Yeah. I mean, it- and this was all based off of census records. But again, that person might not be genetically related to me because a lot of slaves, like they were sold and traded. So say scenario, um, a female got sold, but her baby didn't. Right. Unfortunate part mm-hmm. of it. And someone took that baby in as their own and raised it as their own child because there was no way they were going to see the mother again, right. being that the, the slave was sold somewhere else. And so the census over years just added that person as a family yep. member, but they're not my genetic yep. family. Sure. Totally. 
You see yeah. what I mean? So I was hoping to connect. Now, here's the point that I'm trying to get to. My experience, whenever I look at the faces, the pictures of people on Ancestry.com, mm-hmm. and I see one, of course, they, 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 they put them in groups of close family, first cousin, second cousin, you know, essence. Mm-hmm. But then when they get past, I think it's fourth cousin, they just go fifth to eighth cousin right, at that right. point. Distant. And it's so, so ambiguous. You, you might share a little DNA that you really, to trace that back, a fifth or eighth cousin, you can't even really trace that back unless everybody had pristine records. Mm-hmm. So I would start at fourth cousin, third cousin, and second cousin. I would reach out to Caucasian people that were fourth cousins uh-huh. or third cousins. I don't, I don't think I have any second cousins that are Caucasian or visibly or look Caucasian mm-hmm. anyway. Um, and when I reach out to them, I didn't reach out to every last one of them. But of, of the tens of ones that I reached out yeah. to, I have 0% response rate. Huh. Now. That's interesting. My whole perception on that, controversial or not, take somebody off or not. I think a lot of us, again, we romanticize history. Mm-hmm. I think maybe they may feel threatened may not be the right word or uncomfortable that if I reach out to them and they respond, then they're worried. I'm going to be like, well, your ancestors did this to mine. Oh yeah. I guess. Yeah. And they say, I'm not going to get involved mm-hmm. with that. And I can be as sweet as a pop. Hey, Hey, found out we're genetic related. I just wondered if you could help me. I'm just doing this. Maybe they go, I don't want to talk to that person because of his race. Maybe I don't want to talk to that person because they're a third cousin away. Maybe I don't want to talk to this person because I'm only doing this to figure out who I am, right. like where my people come from, Italy or Germany or whatever. But then they don't sign up for the rest of mm-hmm. it. Or maybe they just don't want to be involved in something that could be of a Thomas Jefferson, Sally Henry right. type of right. deal. You know? So that's the heartbreaking part. Yeah, that's too, really that hard. As Americans, we. We're still not dealing with We're that. We're not talking about it. They we can't have, talk about it. Yeah. We're not talking about it. We're not dealing with it. And when I when I mention this to people, they go, oh, wow, that's bad. So tell me about your dad again. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Forget that. Let's, let's talk about the other boy. Right. That's, that's an uncomfortable situation for a lot of people. Sure. And that is heartbreaking mm-hmm. as Americans. Yeah. So. Interesting. And it's so frustrating that you can't, you can't follow up with those people and say like, Hey, like, uh, I'm just doing it. Like you can't survey them and say like, why won't you respond to me? Well, A, B, C. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm yeah. trying to understand if this is personal or cultural or. Uh, well, know. this could be like, like if I was on Tinder, Hey, why'd you swipe left? Right. They're not going to ask. Right. They're right. Gonna right. Ask right. You. People can hide behind the internet. And that's a heartbreaking part of this whole process as a minority in this country. Mm-hmm. Now, mind you, if this was, Spain, where everybody was Catholic and everybody was, that might not be the issue, even though they do have their own personal internal issues that we don't know about. But you would think, you know, if it was, I don't know, if it was a, well, after the Holocaust, um, there were a bunch of projects, and I can't remember their names right now, but there were a bunch of projects to document and, and, and historically write down everything that happened, all the Jews that went into and so forth. And they've done a really good job of keeping that legacy alive so people can go back to that repository that's not happened here in america even though you could say ancestry.com is that way but it's not happened for african americans it's not happened for a lot of asian americans who've come here native americans Mm -hmm. and so forth um that's just one of those things it's just it's uh it's another sad part of the human experience but it is the human experience Hmm. 
So anyway, I've talked a lot. <laughs> Thank you for giving me both. But, yeah. but I do talk a lot. That's just me. That's just you, hmm. um, which is what this is all about, right? Figuring out yeah. who and why we are who we are. Uh, yes. Awesome. Thank you so much. This is so great. And thank you so much. I've been looking forward to doing this and you are so awesome for doing this and I appreciate you and I wish you continued success. Thank you. This is, I really like, this was really a joy um, and really fun and really like, it's always, it's always like a little bit of a relief when like just the basic technology is working. And then also when the person uh, has a great story and knows how to talk and it makes it easy for it makes well, it easy for me, but mostly, more importantly, it makes it more enjoyable for me. Like I just get to um, kick back and and enjoy a, an amazing story. So thank you for sharing that, and, and and there's vulnerabilities, and thank you for sharing the unique parts of your story. And and my care for you because I know you're taking on a lot of this on your shoulders. Just listening to it, it takes a it takes a lot out of you. So I, as long as you're taking care of yourself, I hope the best for you and. Of course, you know you can always reach out. Thanks for an ear. I don't. I don't always. Have, <laughs> I to. Cool. Isn't Spencer's voice really lovely? I hope that you enjoyed um, his velvety voice uh, and his interesting story as much as I did. And I hope that it gave you more to think about when it comes to this new trend of getting DNA tested and what it means for different people in different parts of our society with different histories. Um, it's not just so easy and fun like they sort of advertise it to be <laughs> for everybody. Um, but anyway, here we are. Thank you for all your patience, everyone, as we have slogged through this season of COVID-19. I hope that season two is back on track. I have some exciting episodes coming for you. Find me on Instagram at Everything's Relative Podcast to follow along and uh, find out what's happening. Email me, Eve, at everythingsrelativepodcast.com if you want to tell your story or ask me some questions. And in the meantime, stay safe, be healthy, wear your mask, send me your sourdough bread. See you next time in two weeks. Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis is produced by Kaylin Egan and Eve Sturgis. Eve Sturgis is a licensed marriage and family therapist in the state of California, but the conversations she has on the podcast are not therapy sessions. Logo design by Ivy McNally and music used with permission by Goodbye the Band. 